together.
stand up and praise the Lord. Sunday. All right. 
Everyone, welcome to Haven Community Church. We want you to relax and just worship the Lord and have a good time doing it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to open with a little bit of prayer right now. And so if you will, just bow your heads in prayer with me. God, we just thank you for being here today. Mostly we just um, want to take this time that we should every Sunday come together and recognize it, it as a little Easter, that we are not Christians, um, we're not believers who are, uh, who are bound to the grave from uh, Good Friday. But, um, Lord, we are resurrected in Christians. We are the ones who um, get to celebrate the resurrection each and every day because of what you did on this day so long ago. So, God, let us just worship you and, and just sing to you and just have what you um, want us to hear today in order to make you more real and more connected to us than ever before. So, Lord, in this rest of this time, regardless of what we got in the oven, regardless of who's coming over that we like and we don't like, let us just go ahead and let us welcome you into this presence and just worship you. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.
All right. Say hello to those near you. Say happy Easter and all that good stuff and have a seat. And our kids can go to our Sunday school now. Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's the last time you have to see that. <laughs> All right. um, we've seen that for 11 weeks, um, 10, 10 weeks altogether, but in, you include Good Friday. Um, we are concluding our series today on, um, on the Apostles' Creed. Um, so a uh, couple of things. We're going to go to our uh, prayer time right now. Um, I do have a, a prayer concern here. Um, well, just pr prayer request. Uh, Patty Miller asked for prayers for her brother, Ricky Smith, for some breathing problems. So continue to lift Ricky in your prayers. Also prayers for her grandson, um, Caden, um, who's now working in some rehabilitation. And, um, and so we pray for uh, Mike and Cricket and uh, Kendall and the whole family, um, and particularly Kendall. I mean, for Caden as he's going through all this, um, through this process at 18 years of age. And, um, and so he had, he had, for those of you who don't know, he had um, uh, something burst in his brain and he's 18 and he's um, lost, he lost a lot of control of his left side. Um, so he's, he's in that process. Um, something that we, you shouldn't have to deal with at 18, correct? But, um, but this tells us about uh, life. But he's got a great, great attitude and we love him dearly and so we pray for him. Also, uh, continue to lift up Lou's show in your prayers as well. Lou's had some, um, been, had some ups and downs with health over the um, months and years, and um, he's having some right now, so continue to lift Lou in your prayers, all right? And lift everyone else in your prayers this week as um, it's a holiday and some people are experiencing the first Easter without people um, that they love for one reason or another, and so we just ask that you continue to lift them in your prayers, all right? So let's go to the Lord and, um, and pray to him right now. God, we, we come to you today and we just thank you for... Um, for your resurrection, we thank you for loving us so much um, that you sent your son to come into the world, not to condemn us, but to save us. And, um, and we're so thankful for that, God. It makes everything else uh, worth living. For those who are um, in, 
in uh, the sound of my voice. If they have a special uh, need today, I ask that you, um, you meet them with your Holy Spirit's presence. We ask that you continue, uh, by name, you be with Caden and the entire family there, for Ricky Smith as well, and for Lou. Lord, we know he loves you, and we know he's had a lot of health concerns, and we just ask that your, your spirit be with him and that um, the healing power of Jesus just work in his life. For these and all other prayers, we give you thanks as we come today to just celebrate you and your resurrection. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, there's a couple of things going on. We're going to see um, uh, one video that just kind of shows what's going on at church. I know we have Paris Foundation, and we're good. So you guys always meet that need. Um, so that'll be today. And um, there's several other things here, and then I'll make another announcement in a bit. right now as well. After uh, we finished up our series this week on the Apostles' Creed today, and, um, and then what we're going to do, we're going to get into a series, because one of the things that is um, one, one of the biggest kind of um, nerve, make, that makes a lot of people nervous, particularly even Christians, it's interesting, is prayer. Um, a lot of people are nervous about, about praying. Other people are like, just pray. Anybody ever heard somebody who when they pray, it's, it's like they sound like they, they wrote the book on prayer and they just sound like amazing. And then, um, you know, I, I, one of the coolest prayers I heard was at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, event down in Baltimore. And this inner city kid stood up and said, dear dad. And it was really kind of cool because it was personal. But a lot of times we get nervous 
about praying. And, and so uh, many of us have heard of the Lord's Prayer. And it's interesting because you have the disciples who asked Jesus, they were a bunch of good Jewish boys who went to synagogue school, so they learned how to pray. But in this moment, they asked Jesus, they said, um, teach us to pray. Why do they need to be taught to pray if they went through synagogue school? Because Jesus prayed a different way. There was something more than just this distance. It was personal. So then Jesus went ahead and said, this is how you should pray. And he said, our father, it's what we say, but it's really daddy. Um, it's really Abba. And he goes through this thing and, and says these prayers. And, um, and so the disciples, even though they had this organized prayer, they wanted to learn something that wasn't organized but came from the heart. And so one of the things that we want to do is because I believe that, that prayer is our communication with God. And, you know, with my, with my dad when he was alive, I never picked up the phone and was like, um, hello, uh, father who birth, helped birth me. You know, I never did that kind of stuff. I just said, hey, what's up, dad? I had this relationship and was able to talk to him in a way. And I think once we get comfortable with talking with God, that's a good thing. So what we're going to do, we're starting this series on the Lord's Prayer, not that what we as Christians do, Jesus said, here's a way you should pray, and we made it into a rote way to pray, that we're going to take that apart, and we're going we're to learn how we pray. Um, what are the parts of that so that we can be comfortable with prayer? And um, I believe that's the that's the only thing that saves us from the attacks of Satan and, and life. And so we're going we're gonna to spend some about eight weeks in prayer. In the meantime, um, it, in addition, you see it has um, what's called the prayer course. And that is the, um, the small group study that we're doing um, church-wide. Uh, Ron has, has um, organized that and um, putting them together. We've got groups most nights of the week. Um, lots on Wednesday. A lot of people like the middle of the week. Um, and, um, but we got several of them. And we also have some options for distance learning. For instance, if you want to do Zoom, we have a couple options there as well. So there's a lot of options to get you into groups with people and to connect. We've been talking about doing life together in the um, community of saints over the last couple weeks. And, um, and so it's also an option that you can um, pull up your phone, pull up your uh, computer, and be part of that interactively as well. All right. So um, if you see, like, uh, there's several ways to do that. You can go our website and you can go ahead and register that way. Um, also, if you look right in, uh, many of you, if you're not on the front row, right in front of you, there's a QR code that's there that um, will lead you to our church app and walk you through that. That's there so that, yes, you can go ahead, pull up your camera, hit it, download the app, and there's all that kind of information that's there. It's a great app and really, really good in connecting. So we want, we want everybody to be connected the best that they can. All right? So we'd love for everybody to go ahead and connect to the prayer course because we don't get better at it unless we go ahead and and, and talk about it and learn about it some more. So um, I challenge everybody to go ahead and connect with those things. All right? Y'all doing well? Yep. Easter Bunny come see you? Yep. All right. All right. So, yeah, I can tell you don't have that chocolate, uh, like, jolt. But anyway. All right. So today we are in the last week of our series on the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed um, is, we've talked about, it's, there's nothing divine or holy in it, but it's based after uh, Scripture. It's based on Scripture. And everything contained there, it was a way that um, in the early church, and creeds were really important in the early church, because um, a lot of people didn't know what they believed. And there was a lot of heresy. And guess what happens today? 
A lot of people don't know what they believe and why they believe it, and there's a lot of heresy. So we want to go ahead. It's a great time to do that. And if you missed any of this, by all means, go ahead and connect on our website. We have all the videos that are there. So today's, um, today we're going to talk about the theme of this message is called Making the Dust Fly. And it's, um, it's Easter, and I'm not doing a spring cleaning uh, uh, sermon. But anyway, if you get, if you, you will pro- probably in some points, you will want to clean your house after you, um, you hear me talk a little bit today. But um, we talked about how when we, when we, historically when the Apostles' Creed is said, that people go ahead and they, and they do it together. And it's the oldest creed, back to about second century. And when you do it, you stand up, you reject like the isms, the things that stand against God in our world today. And then we also are pledging allegiance to Jesus. And that's kind of what we're doing in this whole kind of process. So um, uh, we've seen the creed that has these major load-bearing walls of the Christian faith. And if you start to pull any of these out, the whole house crumbles. And that's why it's important to know what we believe in. And like I said, I grew up in uh, the, Me- the Methodist church and we said it every week until they decided to say, give us the Nicene Creed, which really messed me up. Um, but we would, we would say this every week and it just became part of rote. And I never really stopped to understand what I was saying. So what I'm going to ask now, um, if we'll all stand and we're gonna, our last line today is going to be, I believe in the resurrection of the body and in the life everlasting. If you're not a believer and you just want to blend in, stand and just, you know, don't, you don't have to move your mouth or anything. Um, but we just, uh, if you are a believer, we'd love for you to join in with us, but there's no pressure here at all. So join with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, by the Holy Spirit, is out there in Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he arose and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he will come to judge the quick... I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You can have a seat, and that's the last time you have to do this. Um, and I was good this morning. I got it perfect. I messed it up again. I said quick. Um, and, you, and as I tell people, the reason why it's quick instead of living is because living people are a lot quicker than dead people. And that's really what it means. All right. So here we are. Um, we're going ahead and going to um, wrap this up today. And if you... Um, have your Bibles. Hopefully you have a, a bulletin worship guide. We also have a, had a QR code, I think, that was up here um, that had that as well. But if you have your Bible, you have a Bible app. Um, there's a lot of really cool free Bible apps that are out there. But um, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 12 to start off. Uh, and Daniel is an Old Testament prophet, and he talked about future events. What's really cool is he talked about future events for him, but many of these things are still future for us today. So that's why we're going to talk about it. So um, here's what, it's about end times. He's going to talk about the end times when Jesus returns. We just sang about that glorious day. All right, so here's what it says here. It says, but at that time, your people, even those whose name is, everyone whose name is found written in the book, that's the book of life, those who have been saved and um, and it says, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. All right. So that's, that's where we're going to start today. Normally on Easter, you would come to church and you would hear a, a pastor talk about the resurrection of Jesus and what happened on that event and how he, he was dead and he 
was resurrected and is alive forevermore. Now, I'm going to mix this up a little bit because I'm going to tell you that you are going to die. Happy Easter. Um, and that you also are going to be raised from the dead. All right, so hang in there. That's what we're going to talk about because we are talking about, I believe, in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And that's the real reason why Jesus came. Jesus came so that you and I would not be bound by sin and death, but that we would raise from the dead through him. Hebrews chapter 2 says, Since the children, that's all humanity, have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, Two shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. Who is that? The devil, Satan. All right. So Jesus came, think of this Jesus came to destroy the one who had power over death, who was Satan. So we'll go back to Adam and Eve. Everything was created, God created good. He was in fellowship with them, um, and that's what he made them for for communion and connection together. Sin entered, sin just, that's a big word, okay? Sin's a big little word. It just means miss the mark, and miss the mark of what God intended. But God is all good, and because God is all good, he couldn't be in the same place where sin was. Something has to go, and guess what? It's not God, it's us. And so because sin's there, the only thing that can pay for it is death, is, is, is blood, because the life pays for that. So what ends up happening, that was the separation that existed. God created this sacrificial system that was temporary, until Jesus came along. Jesus came along, was fully God, fully human. He was sinless. And by being sinless, he gave his life up for us. Nobody took it from him. Nobody took Jesus' life. He had the power to lay it down and to raise it up. He freely gave it, died on the cross, and rose again, conquering sin and death. When we talked about he descended into hell, we said Jesus ended up down in hell and said, excuse me, I will take the keys of hell and death. And that's why Matthew talks about in scripture that after Jesus resurrected from the dead on Easter, Jesus was not the only one. Matthew tells us a whole bunch of right, uh, good, God-believing dead people were running around Jerusalem. That would have been a little bit wild, you know what I mean? So that's what was going on. And Jesus came to destroy Satan's hold on this, and it's kind of a weird strategy. Imagine this, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to defeat you. And Satan goes, well, how are you going to do that? I'm going to let you kill me. That is a very bad, like on face value, strategy to go ahead. But Jesus did, and that's what happened. Now, what we see, as we also saw in that previous verse there, that dust, there's dust. And dust is often in Scripture and, and throughout history um, a reference or a symbol of death and blood throughout history is a symbol or the picture of life. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. Here it is. For dust you are, and dust you will return. Look at the person next to you and say, you're dust. Look at your second choice and say, and you're going to return to dust. There you go. And then say, happy Easter. All right. What we see here is, um, this is acknowledged in funerals, in most of the funerals I've ever done. There's a part, usually at the grave. Some pastors really do it dramatically where they have a funeral director get them some dirt. And they go, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Anybody ever heard that or seen that? And you ever, anybody had a pastor who just like kind of threw dirt? 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so we say that, and I always kind of was like, "That's kind of harsh." You know, people weeping, and you're like, yeah, "You're, you're dust." You know, I mean, it's and we and we go through that. So, but what we're basically what we're acknowledging is what Scripture says that God took the dust of the earth, formed Adam, breathed life into his nostrils, and that when we die, our body decomposes and it goes right back um, to those different things. So. Uh, I, was, I was looking at this, and I, and I looked up what dust is made out of. Remember I said you weren't going to clean your house? Here you go. Um, dust is made up of a mix of sloughed off skin cells, hair, clothing fibers, bacteria, dust mites, um, bits of dead bugs, soil particles, pollen, and microscopic specks of plastic. Make you want to clean your house, doesn't it? You know, you want to get those things. And if you say, no, I cleaned, my house is clean, just let that sunbeam come in your window, and you'll be like, oh, my gosh. And here's the thing. Dust, you know, we see dust when it's sitting still, but it's easily moved and recirculated, and we're breathing in that stuff. So if you have as many people in your house as I do, I'm breathing in a lot of their sloughed-off skin cells. It's pretty gross, all right? Um, but the other thing about dust is that it also just like collects like the contaminants and it attaches to them and it, and it keeps them. They've even um, done studies on dust and they found out like when people have had vinyl floors and, and vinyl stuff put in, that that is in dust and we're ingesting that too. Happy Easter. All right, yeah, again. Um, so, but the, the, so dust is always this picture of death. Um, that we hear about. But blood signifies life. And I read this, that blood signifies life to the medical practitioner. It feeds every cell within the body with its precious nutrients. When it slips away, our body falters. Blood is a picture of Jesus and his sacrifice and giving us uh, life. His death was not a defeat, but it was a victory. And I love this illustration that, that when his blood dripped off the cross into the ground, it was kind of like uh, it formed a fertilizer by which he could give us new life. So Jesus came to shed his life so that you would spring from the dust. Isn't that cool? You're going to pop out like a flower, all right? Um, what Daniel prophesied about is what we're going to spend our time considering, and this is what we look at, the, the living hope of the Christian church. That Jesus went into the grave and came out, and I can have confidence that when I go into the grave, I'm going to come out too. So we're going to do this from four different perspectives here today, and I gave you those blanks on your bulletin. The first perspective is this, acorns and oak trees. Everybody say acorns and oak trees. Okay, acorns and oak trees. The biblical understanding of a burial of a follower of Jesus is like an acorn that goes into a ground. It's not the end of the acorn when you put it in the ground. It is the beginning of an oak tree. Everybody understand that? I mean, I'm not a horticulture genius, but I, I know that much. Um, and it is the end of something. It's the end of the acornness, but the oak tree is something more important. How many have ever, anybody ever climbed an oak tree? It's strong, it's, anybody like oak wood, how beautiful it is and stuff? Anybody ever climbed an acorn? No, no, anybody made a table out of an acorn? No, you don't do that. So in order to become this oak tree, the acorn has to give up its acorn self to become something better. And so what we see here is, this is exactly how the biblical view for Christians is um, 
that it's, that it's not the end of the road when we die, but it's just a bend in the road to a new beginning. Like, for instance, we inaccurately often describe, um, and, and we struggle, it's a struggle where we choose to bury someone after they pass. It can be one of the most challenging and most difficult things when we have someone we love that passes away. And we have to deal with all the particulars of the funerals. Um, over the last 17 months, um, if that much, um, I've, we've had to do the plans and I did the services of both my mom and my dad. Um, they died within four months, for those of you who, who don't know. Uh, several years ago, I had a, a good friend of 30 years, Donnie, who passed away very suddenly of a heart attack. Um, this past uh, October, I lost one of my best friends ever, Danny, who, um, who died of COVID. This last month or so, I lost somebody who was like a second father to me, who was Reverend John Hobbs, who also died of COVID. And so... Um, there is this grief that exists. And if you're making plans for the funerals, you want it to be perfect. And you keep saying, I want it to be perfect for them. And you know what? They don't care. Because no matter what I do here, it's not for them, it's for me and you. Because they already are perfect. They're good. They're, they're good. They're not acorns anymore. You see, for, for me um, is where, is where the, the grief is. And basically... I haven't been burying my parents or my friends because the scripture tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I am burying the bodies that they lived in that I loved spending time with. And here's what you need to hear today. You are not a body. You are a soul with a body. And you will still be you when you're not in your body. How do I know this? Because let's look at God. God said constantly in the Old Testament, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why is that important? Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when God was saying that, they were dead. He didn't say, hey, remember Abraham? I was his God. Remember Isaac? I was his God. Remember Jacob? I was his God. No, you know why I didn't say that? Because Abraham is still Abraham. Isaac is still Isaac. And Jacob is still Jacob. Their bodies are, are dead, we'll talk about that, but they're alive. So you are still the same one minute after you die as you are 100,000 years after you die. And so it is a difficult decision where, where to think to, to, to you know, bury the bodies. We have to talk with um, funeral directors and cemeteries and all kinds of other things that you have to go through, pick out vaults and caskets. And, but bottom line is, whether you are in a nice shiny casket, um, like I want to be, and, and I'm serious in this, and you can ask my family, I want my hands sticking out when everybody comes to the viewing because I want to shake hands with everybody. I've said it. Have I? Am I not lying? I've said it. And I'm doing that basically if I outlast Melissa that I can torture her because she hates funerals. Um, and my kids will fight for that, won't you? Yes, okay. Um, and so I, I've said it for years. Um, or... I either have that or I get cremated and everybody asks me, um, hey, is cremation okay? Yes, because guess what? No matter which way we're going out, we're all dust. We're either doing it quicker or, or crock pot or um, microwave. You know, figure it out. That's honestly what it is. And we get caught up in that stuff because it doesn't matter what you do with that because I'm dust. And we'll return to dust. And it doesn't matter what, what happens to it because God put it together in the first place. And the cool thing is, at that day, he's going to put it together again. Better. All right? 
Goodbye love handles, right? I mean, that's awesome. Um, we do make a mistake, though, when we refer to cemeteries and graveyards at times. We, we talk about, um, for our loved ones, that that is their final resting place. And it's not. Because no one, in a, no one ever who is in a cemetery or a graveyard, that's ever your final resting place. Because you were made to be eternal. For believers, it is with Jesus. And for non-believers, we'll talk about that. So it's kind of like the mafia movies. Your body. You're taking a dirt nap. Right? I know it's a little harsh, but that's what we're doing. Our body, who we are in our soul, goes on to be with the Lord. Boom, like that. But the cool thing is, Jesus didn't just, Jesus promised, God promised salvation through Jesus. Not only for my soul, but for my body. My body's going to await that, but I'm going to be present with the Lord. And my body and soul are going to come back and God's going make it, to make it really good. Make it really good. And first, how do you know that, Jack? First Corinthians, first Corinthians 15, 42 and 43 from the New Living Translation says this. It is, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Don't you, now keep in mind, acorns and oak trees. Our earthly bodies are what? Planted in the ground when we die. But they will be raised to live how long? forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. So what we put in the ground is something that's fallen and broken and decaying. And that wasn't the original intention that God had. But when the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns, boom, I get a new body. And I get one that God really puts together. And it's really cool because we're going to talk about that. Um, so that day is coming, and here's what's going to happen. Graves are going to just start popping open. People are just going to be, you know. Um, and here's the thing. Our bodies will once again just get connected back to our souls in this new body. And then, and, and it happens first for the people who are dead in Christ first. It says those who are dead in Christ rise first. You know, early to bed, early to rise. Um, so that's what happens. There they go. They get that first, and then I get to go, and you get to go, and we get we get to have that. Now, how will you know it's coming? Because if you just if you're riding by and you start to see like pop 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 in the graveyard, get ready. I'm gonna stop my car. I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna take my best Superman pose like this, and I'm gonna know I'm gonna fly really really soon. And I hope I have a cape. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be really, really excited about that because that's what's going to happen. Because I know he's coming for me next because of my relationship with Christ. And as a follower of Jesus, if, if your loved ones are, were followers of Jesus, then they've gone to be with him. So don't weep for them. Yes, we weep for ourselves because we miss them. But don't weep for them. Weep for yourself because we're not there yet. We're not, we're not there in the present with the Lord yet. And think, if you're going to get new, a, a new body when Jesus comes and the dead in Christ rise first, it's going to be awesome. So this day should fill us with hope. It should fill us with expectation. It should fill us with excitement in our hearts. And even though it doesn't look like it, our hope is in Christ. And even though it doesn't seem like it, and this body, anybody's body ache more than it used to? Anybody like think like you look the same that you did in 10th grade? And then you look in the mirror and go, what the heck has happened? You know, I'm, I turned 51 today. I know I look 
31. You know, I started to say 20, but nobody's going to believe that. Um, but what I'm saying is I work out a lot. I do all this stuff, and I hurt a lot. My back hurts here. I mean, literally the other day I was working out in the gym. I was lifting weights. I, I, you know, I did everything. I got a shower, got dressed. I'm walking down the hallway, and I went, ah, I hurt my back walking. That's just what our bodies do. It's, it's breaking down day by day. It's breaking down because we're part of this terminal disease called life. The Bible looks at a graveyard like we look at gardens. I know many of you are getting your gardens together. Like, you know, when you plant it in there, you go, man, that corn. No, it takes a, it takes a while. And at the right time, you have it there. You know, um, what happens now when people die? What do people put? They put three little letters. What are they? RIP, which stands for rest in peace. And that's wrong. It should be for the Christian raised in power. Dan, we should be really excited about that. It's not just a resuscitation either. What is a, it's, it's a resurrection. What is a resuscitation? I'm going to take you to Lazarus, who was Jesus' friend, and he died. And, and Jesus said, um, hey, we're going to go see Lazarus. Um, and they said, well, maybe he said, he's not dead, he's not dead, he's asleep. And they said, well, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And he said, no, 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 dummies, he's dead. And that's what he said. So they used sleep in the thing. So Lazarus was dead. And Jesus stood in front of Lazarus's tomb and said, somebody rolled a stone away. And why did he have to have somebody roll a stone away? Because Lazarus is doing there dead. Lazarus wasn't doing anything. He's like, all right. He didn't do anything until Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And I love what somebody said, that he had to say, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he said, come forth, everybody would pop it out of the tombs. Because that's the power of God. Um, and then he comes out, and he's wrapped up like a mummy. Been in there for three days, like, hey, how you doing? And Jesus says, somebody take those grave clothes off of him. Why? Because he was dead, and he was resuscitated by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Jesus needed nobody to remove his stone because the angels came and boop, popped it away. Jesus didn't have to have anybody pull his grave clothes off because the resurrected Lord boop, just passed right through him. And because he left him there. And what we see is this. What we see is that it wasn't a resuscitation. It was a celebration. It was a victory because he defeated the power of death once and for all. He was no longer bound by the rules of nature because the disciples are locked away and Jesus is popping in and out of doors like, here I am. He's doing some really cool stuff like that. And then, um, but it was a physical resurrection. It was not a ghost or a spirit or, or something like that. How do I know? Because Jesus said, got anything to eat? I'm hungry. I've been in the tomb for three days. I need, this body needs something to eat. Give me some fish. And that's why you and I are going to get to eat in heaven. Right? Um, and so, so he did that. He ate some fish and hung out there. And Jesus said to other people, said, go ahead, touch me. Go ahead, touch me. Why? Because he said, I want to show you I'm not a spirit or a ghost. And the last thing he did before, when he ascended into heaven, we talked about this the other week, is he got to fly. So isn't it cool that our resurrected bodies are going to be really, really incredible? You know, um, there's some people who have, who have estimated, uh, they're, they're really a lot smarter than I am, but they have estimated that um, the just from what they've seen with Jesus and our stuff, that our resurrected bodies may have upwards of 500 senses when we pretty much rely on five of them. 
And that's going to be cool, really, really cool. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, and then we, a lot of times we think about heaven as being less real or, or like so, less vivid or this kind of like mysterious, like weird thing that, um, and it's a, it's a major lie that the devil wants to tell us that heaven is less than here. And, um, it, you, know, you know, like, I got to tell you, if heaven is about me being like a, ch a chubby angel on a cloud playing a harp, I don't want to go because that's boring. Number one, I'm not a big harp fan. Number two, I can do chubby here. You know what I mean? And, and so, um, but what we see is Stephen King, the, the author, said, I don't want to go to heaven. Heaven sounds terrible. And if it's like we, we uh, portray it, I agree with him. But when you get in the scripture, you don't find any chubby, naked angel playing harps. Um, but we should be excited about heaven. Heaven's not just a new you, it's a new world. The Bible um, tells us that, that heaven comes down. And there is the city of God. And the throne of God. And there's this new kind of mess with heaven and earth that's together. And God's with us and we're with him. And it's for eternity and it's awesome. And my body's going to be different. It's not an acorn anymore. It's a, you know, oak tree. Boom. All right? And we're going to have this new heaven and new earth. And here's, what, here's some things that we get to do if we look at Scripture. We get to live after we died. That's a pretty cool deal. Um, we get to serve. We get to drink. We get to dance. We get to laugh. We get to work. We get to play. We get to worship God and we get to party. After, after Jesus pulls us all back, do you know there's a, we're told there's a seven-year party? I mean, that is a kicking party that goes on for seven years straight with, in the presence with God. And then Jesus reigns for a thousand years, and, guess, and then, he, then he does some more stuff, and then he reigns even forever and ever and ever, and we got no problems, and it's great. It just gets better and better and better -er -er -er. all the time. It's like trading in your broken-down Pinto for a brand-new Rolls-Royce. Who had a Pinto? Anybody want to admit to it? Nobody wants to admit to it. All right. Um, N.T. Wright, the great biblical scholar, says this this way. Here's what he said uh, about heaven. He said, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of a brand new world. It's acorns and oak trees. And that's what I want you to think of in dying as an acorn and an oak tree tomorrow. That's heaven. Number two. Perspective of already and not yet. Already and not yet. How many of you like to, how many of you are patient and like to wait on things? All right. Um, welcome to the club. And there's a tension here. What is the tension? Because there's a delay and a gap. That there's a space between what Jesus promised and the fulfillment. It's like the Saturday between Good Friday when Jesus gave up his life on the cross and Resurrection Easter Sunday. There's this gap. Jesus said, I'm going to return. He said, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to raise from the dead. Saturday came and they're like, nothing, nothing. But Sunday changed all that. I bet you that Saturday seemed like it took forever. Jesus came. He did die. He did rise after that space between Good Friday and Easter. And he ascended to heaven saying, giving us another promise that we're waiting to be fulfilled. And that promise was... Hey, get your stuff together because I'm coming back. And that's what we're waiting for. Maybe it's today. Because we're talking about the resurrection of the body. 
And that's already ours. But not only do we speak of the resurrection of the body, but the last part of it is what? And the life what? Everlasting. 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 It's, it's not just something for them, but something for, it's something for now. It's not just a quantity of life. It's a quality of life. In John 17, 3, Jesus says this. He says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And that know is not just head knowledge, it's that you have an intimate knowing, that there's a, a, a connection in your heart that's here. The moment you give your life to Jesus, in your spirit you become a brand new creation, you're fully alive. And that everlasting, that life everlasting begins at that point. It's promised and you're just living out this mess until that time happens, until you either die and are planted or until Jesus comes back and you're alive and you're behind the ones who are already planted and I'm going to catch up really quickly. It's having a relationship with God. It's having the Holy Spirit, you be the temple of the Holy Spirit and having this presence of God live within you. And in that space, we wait for the fulfillment of eternity. And so we live in this strain of already, but not yet, because that promise has been made but maybe it's today. You know, it's like the world that's, the scripture tells us that the world is groaning. And I think the world's groaning more than ever before in my life. Like, there's a, there's a world, remember we said that there's a new heaven, new earth. And this world that we're in now, it's groaning to no longer be afflicted by certain things like natural disasters, violence and war. Like where we are today, there are people very strong Christians. And you know, in Ukraine, a lot of the early parts of the Easter celebrations that we celebrate now originated in Ukraine. And many of them aren't able to celebrate in their churches because of war that's going on. Abuse, terror, crime, injustice. And we certainly know about disease, don't we? But we are believing for a resurrected world where heaven comes down, where the lion and the lamb lay down with each other, where the bear and the goat hang out, where disease is moved, where there's no more crying, mourning, or sorrow. There's no more disease. It's a world of perfection as God intended. So what do we do in this time of the promise and waiting for the fulfillment? Well, we fight. We build and we build up. We sing. We worship. If you don't like singing and worship, you're not going to like heaven because there's a lot of that going on. I mean, who has a party without singing, right, and music? Um, we feed and we clothe the hungry and the homeless. We pray. We pray what we're going to talk about in the Lord's Prayer, that your will be on earth as it is in heaven. We contribute. We contribute physically, prayerfully, and financially to people like, for instance, Pastor Oog and, and our brothers and sisters in Haiti who are getting closer to completing their church. You know why they're, how they're doing that? Because of you. Because of your love for Christ and giving to them. You've changed the community and, you, and you're changing people's lives time and time again. You may not see them. You may never meet them. But guess what? When the trumpet sounds, you're going to spend eternity with them. And they're going to say, thank you for giving to the Lord. All right? Um, and then by faith, we begin to, once we get our eyes off of what's going on in this fallen world, and we put it on, on the promise of God, and we, we live out that and let the Holy Spirit uh, work in and through us, we begin to, with, by faith, see glimpses of 
of God moving and how it's going to be. Jesus died so that you could live. And, and so we see this broken world, but we recognize we can say with hope that Jesus can save you and he can heal you and he can give you a peace that passes all understanding. Because the more, I said out here in between the services, um, the more, the longer I live, the less I know I know anything, right? It's just, I'm, I'm more confused all the time about stuff that goes on and, and how we've got to certain things. But if I have a, and I could get, I could get so down, depressed and upset, and I have at times. But when I, when I reside in Jesus, I can begin to have a peace that passes any bit of my knowledge or understanding. Because see, you, we're, we're kind of like dual citizens or we're like on a visa here. We're like on an 80 whatever plus or minus year visa here because guess what? This is not my home. I was not made for temporary birth and death. I was made for eternity. So what ends up happening is there's going to be a time where I'm going to have a date at the end of my name. And that's when my life is just beginning. That's the, that's the beginning of it all. And I'm eventually going to be home in heaven. Number three, legends and longings. Everybody say that one, legends and longings. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is very different than a, than a legend. Many will accuse the gospel and say, yeah, yeah, Jesus didn't raise from the dead because that's impossible. Nobody does that. And what happened is one person told somebody else that told somebody else, and they really, you can't blame them for really want to believe it. It's kind of like when, when people used to say that the Grand Canyon was done by Paul Bunyan dragging his axe. Right? Remember these things? Um, and and that's, that kind of passed on. And we don't say people are evil because of that. We just say, okay, that's that way. But, but when we look at the creed, which is based off the word of God, it isn't the stuff that legends are made of. It's not a fairy tale that, that's a once upon a time in a place far, far away. The creed is dated specifically. In the midst of the creed, it, it attributes the leadership at the time of Jesus' death when it says he suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was the fifth procurator in Judea under the reign of Emperor Tiberius. We know that from history. The gospel accounts were shared with people at the time who could have checked up on what they were saying. Matter of fact, Paul says, he has a list of people that Jesus appeared to, and he says, hey, and there's 500, many of them are asleep, died, but you can go ask them. They, Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection. So it's not based in, in this fable. It's very detailed, very, very detailed. And, you know, we resonate with, with legends and heroes. We like stories about heroes and tales of love stories of people sacrificing. I, I bet, even not knowing all of you, that when you watch a movie or read a book or something, when someone sacrifices their life for so many people that they can live, you just go, oh, like that. Bruce Willis movie where he like goes into a meteor or whatever. You know, anybody remember that? Had the Aerosmith song? Armageddon, Armageddon thank you very much, all right? So um, that, would, that would be fitting if the world was going to end. Um, but something about us is like that, that part where Bruce Willis is saying goodbye to his daughter. We're like, oh, that's awful, but it's so awesome. You know, I mean, it just does that. And we've done that through history. And there is a reason for this, I believe. The suggested reason is I believe that God has put um, all these echoes of in, into the human race, pointing to something larger and truer in reality. I want to share with you a story about one of the people that I think is one of the greatest Christians and, and, and the smartest people that ever lived. His name's C.S. Lewis. Have you ever heard of C.S. Lewis? All right. C.S. Lewis, many of us know him um, from uh, his, his writing of the Chronicles of Narnia. 
Um, if you don't know about the writing, you went and saw the movie, all right? Or you saw the old one that was done really terribly, um, and, and you saw that. But he was a professor in Oxford in England in the 1920s. And um, many of us know his life from those points as a believer, but for much of his life, he was a, he was a self-professed atheist. Um, he didn't believe in God. He didn't believe that anything had any meaning in life. It was just random choice. There's no higher power. Matter of fact, he, he associated himself with what was called an existential nihilism, which means there's no meaning in life. We just make that up. There's no meaning. And that's where he was. And he believed it intellectually. But he also admitted that he had this issue. And it caused, he says, this is what caused him to fade in that, those beliefs and eventually open his life to Christ. It was done in the way that legends or heroes pulled at his heart. He, um, he described it as being a man of snow, but finding the warmth of the sun melting him, first like a trickle of water down his back, and he hated it when it began. He, he followed some of the uh, fairy tales that were written by the people who wrote tons of fairy tales. You may not have read it from them, but you may remember it from Disney movies, The Brothers Grimm. And they wrote a lot of things like Little Mermaid, Brothers Grimm. All right, all those things. And some of them are a little bit darker than the whole Disney kind of thing. It's, it's really creepy, some of them. But um, he said when he heard this, something in his heart stirred. And it bugged him intellectually because he didn't believe this. But he, he said I, he couldn't deny that, that something about a God who gave his life for the kingdom moved his heart. So he struggled with this back and forth, back and forth. And then one day he was wrestling with this and he decided to share with a fellow professor friend of his with the name of J.R.R. Tolkien. Anybody know him? He wrote a little thing called The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Anybody know him? And Tolkien was a Christian. And he was sharing this with Tolkien and, and Tolkien said, Jack, because his friends called him Jack when he was a kid. They called him Jack C. Um, I don't know why. Um, but he said, Jack, let's take a walk. And they began to walk around this very brilliant place of Oxford in England. And he said, what's your problem with all these myths? And C.S. Lewis said, well, they're all lies. Through, though they're breathed through silver lips. Because none of these things are true. And it was a problem for Lewis. And he wrote a book called Surprised by Joy, if you ever want to read it. And it's about his, convert, his autobiographical, autobiographical conversion to Christ from being an atheist. And he said, so Tolkien looked at him and he said, Jack, um, what if all these things are true? They're just echoes of a larger truth. Lewis said, well, what, what do you mean? Tolkien said, well, like the way you feel when you watch or read Sleeping Beauty is because this world is really under the spell of something evil and that things are not as they should be. And then he said, and when you read Peter Pan, you're moved, moved by it in, in the way that you are because deep down inside you know that we were never meant to grow up or to get old or to get sick. And Jack, what if humans were really meant to fly? And when you read Beauty and the Beast... The image of someone so horribly marred and dis, uh, distinguished by their own treachery and self-centered wickedness. What if that really could be overcome by the sacrificial love of someone who really could help them change? Jack, these truths um, that are moving you are echoes of a larger truth. They're little stories that point to the greatest story ever told. And they all find their fulfillment in the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason you feel the way you do 
and reading these stories is not because Jesus is one more of these stories, but because all these are smaller stories pointing to the larger story. Jack, there really is a good prince who's coming to the kingdom so that his kiss could save us from death's spell. And what you're longing for in these legends is what your heart longs for. And that is to have the ache that you can't shake filled with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. The next thing we know is two weeks later, C.S. Lewis, and there's a picture of him up there, wrote a letter to his friend Arthur Greaves and said simply this, I have become a Christian largely because of that conversation that evening. I don't know what you're looking to, but I know that the Bible tells us that God has placed eternity in our hearts. And no matter what we try to do, we can't get away from it because it's part of us. Did you ever just feel like you were meant for more? Don't you just feel like if our entire life is about being born, which we didn't ask to be born, but we were, we were born so that we could learn, you know, cultural norms and, and, and live out a good standing in, in the area so that we can go to school so that we can maybe go to another school or get a trade so that we can work so many years so that we can retire and have some money there so that we can get sick and die and, have, and be the richest person in the cemetery. If that's what it's about, that is depressing. But it's not because you and I know we were created for something more. There's something more to us. Because we've looked at what? Acorns and oak trees? We've looked at the already but not yet, and we've looked at legends and longings. The last one here is the perspective of the connection between eggs and baskets. And you're like, well, dummy, it's Easter. You should have started with that when I paid more attention. Well, here it is now. When you're preaching, you can do it, all right? Um, but we're going to talk about the connection between eggs and baskets. And how many has been on, have been on an Easter egg hunt this year? Anybody? All right. How many have ever been on an Easter egg hunt? How many ever taken your, your kids or young people like to an Easter egg hunt? Or even if you're, you're not young and you're on an Easter egg hunt, something happens to you, you get like a kid. I mean, your body doesn't move the same way because you're old, but you, you get there. So, you know, you say go, and these kids just like, Poof, except for that's one kid, they're like, mm-hmm, you know, walking around in a circle. Um, and, um, but then what's the, what's the thing you ask when they all come back in? What was it? How many did you get? We do that as parents because we want to take some for ourselves, right? Um, and then we look at the one, you know, we have, if we have two siblings and one got like three and the other one's got like 25, you're like, give your brother or sister some more, you know? And, and we do that because that's what we want to know. How many do we have? How many, we ha- how many do we get? We're all excited about these eggs. And as we wind down, I want to ask you this question. What basket are you storing your eggs in? Because the problem, there's a problem. If we're storing all of our eggs in the baskets of this life, Everything is in the, if we put everything in this life and every, ba- every egg that we get, then guess what? It's going to be for naught because guess what? It's going to be gone because you're going to die. Happy Easter again. But if you take it and you put it in God's basket, it lasts for eternity. Your worth, your value, your identity is, if it's just tied up in everything in this life, it's not good. Think about what happened in October of 1929. Anybody know? A stock market crash. What about in in October and December of 2008 when the economy buckled? There were many high-profile 
suicides where people lost millions and billions of dollars and they Die, they, they killed themselves because there was no hope. Why? Because they had all their eggs in the baskets of this life. And there was nothing else to live for because it was done. If your identity is wrapped up in your career, your health, your extracurricular activities, your modeling career, or your TikTok following, then guess what? What are you going to do when it collapses? Because it will. What are you going to do when you find out you've been spending your whole life building sandcastles at the edge of the ocean and you have no hope and no power. If you achieve the greatest amount of success, you build that huge company from scratch, you have millions and millions and millions of dollars, great, great, great. But then what? Then what? You don't take any of it with you. At the end of last year, because of having a, 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 a life that was that dealt with a lot of loss and pain and struggle. Instead of doing, toward the end of the year, like, like preachers usually do, a series on um, like a Christmassy kind of thing. If you remember, we did a six-week series on Job, which is the oldest book ever written, and we talked about that. And what we found out is Job was a, an honorable guy. He, he really cared about God, and he put... Um, he was the richest man in the ancient East. He had his money in the stock market, the livestock market. He diversified his portfolio. He had camels, donkeys, sheep, oxen, servants, and he had 10 children. One day, within 10 minutes, he had different servants coming up to him. He lost all of his livestock. He had servants killed. He had all this stuff. And the last guy came to him and said, hey, guess what? There was a terrible windstorm and your kids were all at your older son's house, the roof collapsed and killed all of them. Imagine the pain that exists there. After that, he began to have health problems. And this takes place with Job sitting in an ash pile in a dump, sitting on garbage, penniless, destitute, bankrupt, scraping his open sores with pottery. His wife comes, and she's gotten a raw deal, but she went through all that with him. And she said, how can you maintain your wholehearted love for God? Do you keep on saying, blessed be the name of the Lord, and keep blessing him? His friends, who were no friends at all, came to condemn him. He's sitting there. He's lost everything and gave him nothing good. Job had everything, every egg that anybody could want to put in the basket of this world. And it was gone in 10 minutes. And Job keeps his mouth shut for a while, and then he begins to open it and speak, and we find out how he is uh, blameless. He shows where you might have thought his eggs were in the basket of this world, but you see where his eggs really were. And in Job chapter 19, verse 25 and 27, here's what he says. I know that my Redeemer lives. And this, keep in mind, this is, this is before we had all the other scriptures we talked about. This is before Daniel. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, where is he going to stand? You know why? Because heaven comes down. And he says, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, what does that mean? He died. He's an acorn. But then he says something weird. Yet in my what? Flesh. I would say, God, stop. Didn't he say he was, after, after uh, my skin's been destroyed, how come in my flesh I see God? Because the acorn became an oak tree. That God raised him up. And in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with, guess what? Something else physical, my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns, yearns within me. You see, he knew he was just passing through. 
Death is one of two things. It's either leaving home or coming home or going home. And it all depends on what basket you're storing your eggs in. By the end of it, God gave him twice, gave him twice as many things back except for one thing. He only gave him 10 kids. You know why? Because his other 10 kids were still alive. They just had a newness of life. Right? He didn't need 20 because he already had 10. They were just with the Lord. Twice as much as everything. So the question is for you, are your eggs in this world's basket or are they in God's? Is your citizenship in heaven or is it here? Is your Savior in heaven? Is your life in heaven? If not, would you like it to be? Would you like to give your life to Christ? Whether or not you do or whether or not you believe, if you're a skeptic, if you don't know, if you're agnostic, if you call yourself an atheist, I want to say thank you for being here. Because this is a safe place to explore and ask those questions. And we welcome you regardless of what you believe. But let me say this to you. If by the end of your life you don't believe in Jesus, you too will live forever. Death is not going to be the end of the road for you. It's a bend in the road. At, at your death, there's a fork in the road. Daniel shared that with us. There's a road that leads to life, and there's a road that leads to shame and contempt. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, Do not be amazed at this, for the time is coming when all, you know what all means? All, um, who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Believers, non-believers, everybody who's died. And those who have done what is good and following him will rise to life. And those who have done what is evil will, be, will rise to, condemn, to be condemned. Jesus is saying there's a heaven and there's a hell. He spoke a lot about hell, not because he, he wanted to beat people over the head, but he spoke a lot about hell because he wanted nobody to go there. That's why he came, so that you wouldn't have to. The million-dollar question for all of us is, with all eternity hanging in the balance, how do you go to heaven and not hell? The answer is not do more good. The answer is to follow Jesus, to give your life to him. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed from death to life. When you accept Jesus, you step into eternity. You're saved, you're sealed, you're secured of your salvation. God comes to live in your heart and forgives every sin. Jesus died in your place on the cross and rose again. I'm telling you there's salvation and hope. There's forgiveness, healing, and restoration. Now, before you get nervous, I'm going to take about 10 seconds, and I'm going to rip through, 10 to 20 seconds, and rip through the four things. Because we, we've been talking about symmetry, which is balance, clarity, community, and counsel. Symmetry, how do we have balance knowing this? We need to stop putting our eggs in the baskets of this world and not in Jesus Christ. We need to stop putting our hope in things that can't deliver. We need to view our lives today as a perspective from 10,000 years from now, not just in the moment. Clarity. There is a physical resurrection. You are not going to be an angel. Angels, according to Hebrews, say they wish they were us. They say, oh man, they see our salvation. They say, wow, that's awesome. I wish I was, I wish I was human. You're not going to be a ghost. As much as that would be really cool so that you could freak people out and go, boo, and watch them jump and haunt them, that, that would be kind of cool. I, I get it. You got the list of people you do that to. We're not going to be that. You were created to live forever, and you will be raised. In community, the awareness that drives us toward compassion when we recognize that everybody you see is not a temporary being, but they're an eternal being. And many of these people 
and Christ you're going to spend eternity with. And how do we counsel or advise ourselves? Since we are eternal creatures, we need to be more serious and be very bold about the condition of our souls and where we are with Jesus. I say at every funeral, at all times of death, we're forced to focus on our own mortality and our own thoughts about God. Why do we wait till a time of death to focus on that? Why don't we wait until the life that we have and live it for Jesus Christ and that we get that fullness already? But not only us, we also need to look as we counsel others and say, do we really care about the condition of the souls of people that we know that don't believe in Jesus? That if Jesus returned today, that they would have smoking reservations, non, not non-smoking. That they would go to the place of contempt. Because if there's people that we love and, you know, we get nervous, oh, I don't want to share Jesus. If we really believe that with people that we love and care about, here's what we're really telling them. If we don't want to share the goodness of Christ, we are really telling people that we love that we don't share the goodness of God to go to hell, literally. And I don't want to be responsible for people that I love telling them to go to hell because I want them to be with me in heaven. With terminal illnesses and struggles and all kinds of other things, we need to recognize that we live and we are made eternal beings. We are not made for death and dying and that's why when we die, it's just the beginning. Where we go is up to us. Jesus is not going to force us to, to choose him. He's done everything else possible. I'd like that you stand right now, um, and I want to give you an invitation. For anybody who feels a sense of moving that you may not have ever given your life to Jesus, and you're feeling a tug on your heart, and you're like, yeah, you know what? I really did like that uh, I really got a kick out of that Armageddon movie and some other things. I really like that. And recognize that's just a little bit of what Jesus does. And so if I want to give you an opportunity to go ahead and be set free from Jesus Christ, for, uh, by Jesus Christ, from, from everything in your life. And, and so I just, uh, we're going we're gonna to just pray. So bow with me in prayer. Um, Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. And we, we, we don't celebrate Haven Church. We celebrate Jesus. We celebrate you and, and what you're doing in our lives and that you love us enough to come and, and conquer the sin and death and that you didn't have to do any of that, but you came out of the grave. Not for just yourself, but so that we may have eternal life. And so I want to I want to speak to those right now. If you're still you're still praying with me, um, I want to speak to the church, the, the communion of saints, those who are saved by Jesus. That you're following Jesus, but in just hearing this message, you want to renew your love for God and you want to renew that commitment, and just say, you know, I'm I'm affirm this creed because the last thing that we didn't add to this is it says Amen, and that means so be it, so be it. I believe in all this, and if you just want God to help you. F- fight and it's already and not yet. And just tell him thank you and God fill me with your spirit. Help me to run and not grow weary. Help me to walk and not faint. Refresh our hearts. Renew us God as I surrender and and you take my life. And as we're still praying, if those of you who uh, are sensing like C.S. Lewis did 
and you want to make that decision as he did. And you recognize that there's a prince whose kiss conquers sin and death, and his name is Jesus. And just ask Jesus to come into your heart. As my friend John Hopps used to say, Jesus, I need a Savior, and you're it. You might have questions, that's okay. You might have doubts, that's fine. But come to him. Come to him with your pain. Come to him with your questions. Give him your heart. Watch him make your heart sing. And, and we're praying right now, and we're just saying, to God, do I know I'm a sinner? I can't fix myself, but I believe that you can. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. And God bless this journey and this new life with you. As we take up our, our time of, of gifts and offering, I'm going to ask that, Lord, you put your Holy Spirit's blessing on that. If you're, if you're visiting today, we do not expect you to give. You're our guest. And um, all we want you to do is focus on Jesus and where, where he is in your life. So God, do your thing as we worship you together one more time in song on this Easter Resurrection Sunday. And I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice is really right now wrestling with where we're putting our eggs in, what basket. In Jesus' name, amen. They wept. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon him.
than you've ever been. And so I just want to say um, a couple really quick things. Number one, um, one of the things I shared today at the end of the service was, um, many of you know my parents died within four months. And, and when my mom died, when dad came in, my father was a pastor for 43 years. And not just because he was my dad, he was a really good one. And um, one of the things when he was coming in, he had been he had done thousands of funerals over the years. And when he came in, he wouldn't look at the casket with my mom because he was so afraid to see her. Right around this area, he took a little spin in his little scooter and you had to get out of the way because he would run you over. And he had his head down and he looked up and he looked in the casket and said, she's not here. And four months later, he was not here. And Jill and I had the opportunity to be there with him when he passed. We've been there with both parents when they passed. And guess what? They're not here. The acorn was planted. And they're better than ever before. And I know I'm going to see them again. And that is the joy. So right now, I know, I just, the last thing I'm going to say, there's some people in here that God's still tugging on your hearts. Don't just place it back here. Because maybe today may be the last day you're alive. Or it may be the day that Jesus returns. This isn't church speak. This is serious. Because I want to see you next to me in heaven. I want to eat at that table with you. With my new buff body. And somebody, some other people, you were close to God. But you let a lot of other stuff get in the way. And you've been putting your eggs in a basket in this world. And God says, take him out and come back to me and do what I called you to do. It's your choice. He loves you. Forever he's glorified. Amen. Have a great week. Happy Easter. Don't forget to sign up for the prayer, prayer course. We love to have everybody.